This is Nashville. I'm Nina Cardona, filling in for your host, Khalil Ekulona. Now, today is a special day because it's Friday. You know, Nashville has a pretty hopping nightlife scene, world-class dining, plenty of bars, and yes, live music. Later this hour, we're bringing you a rebroadcast of This Is Nashville, all about our local nightlife scene. Who makes it run? And who is it really for? And she says, I'm going to need you to stop playing all this black music immediately, or I'm going to make you leave right now. And I looked at her, I'm like, uh, nice to see you too. Um... But first, roughly a year and a half ago, a mob of people stormed the U.S. Capitol building. It didn't take long to learn that the man in one viral image quickly nicknamed Zip Tie Guy was from Tennessee. He and his mother were among the first local arrests related to the January 6th insurrection. But over weeks and months, more and more from this area were added to the list. Last night, Congress began holding hearings into the events of January 6th, so we thought this would be a good time to check in with WPLN reporter Blaze Ganey, who has been looking into where things stand for the people from right here in Tennessee, who officials believe took part. Blaze, welcome to This is Nashville. Thanks. First, how many Tennesseans were arrested for participating in the insurrection last year? Well, from what I'm looking at, it it seems to be around 26 so far. Um, and I say so far because when I looked back in January, it was, I believe, at 19. So it's it's still growing. Right. Every now and then we do still hear those those announcements, that, that word that somebody else has been identified and arrested. But of the ones so far, who are they? Where are they from? Uh, to be honest, uh, we have a good amount of people from right here in Nashville. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, some are related. Um, that, that's the thing that sort of stuck out was that some were related. Um, I believe there's either son, a father and son duo or brothers from Charlotte. Um, then you have other people from Knoxville, Cookville, Memphis, Smyrna, Murfreesboro. I mean, pretty much all over. You know, during last night's hearings, Republican Representative Liz Cheney touched on one of the more serious charges that some of the participants in the insurrection are facing. You will also hear about plots to commit seditious conspiracy on January 6th, a crime defined in our laws as conspiring to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States, or to oppose by force the authority thereof. Multiple members of two groups, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, have been charged with this crime for their involvement in the events leading up to and on January 6th. Some have pled guilty. Has anyone from Tennessee been charged with that crime of seditious conspiracy? No, uh, not yet, at least. Okay, so it seems at least as of now, none of the people from here are essentially thought to have been ringleaders. But that doesn't take away from the fact that they are accused of being in the mob and in some cases ready with different kinds of gear in the event that things turn violent. So... Can you talk us through what charges they do face? Yeah, um, most people, and mostly all of them, whether or not, no matter how serious, face the crime of parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building, which essentially just sounds like, you know, trespassing, which mm-hmm. when we all kind of saw that everybody took part in um, entering into the Capitol building. And then uh, there's others who have um, sort of entered a plea agreement 
on that charge only, they've gotten three years of probation. Some of the more serious, um, from here in Tennessee at least, is the use of a deadly or dangerous weapon um, in assaulting officers. Are there any that stand out to you? Well, really the one I just mentioned, the assaulting officers, the guy um, who did it, James Brockoff. Uh, was I read his report and he used a fire extinguisher apparently to spray officers away from the crowd mm. um, and sort of distract them, I guess, and then get into the building later on. Um, he actually was a person who broke through, broke a window and um, climbed into the Capitol. I, I know that this has been a challenge to follow. And I know you called all of these folks lawyers. How many of them called you back? I've spoken to two lawyers, ultimately, one on background, who I can't mention name, he doesn't want me to, or his client, and then another who was very open uh, back in January. I just wasn't able to get in touch uh, ahead of this um, you know, show. So I spoke with one recently, and on background, they told me, you know, basically they didn't want to talk and that most attorneys who want to talk in this situation are looking for media attention. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have a long conversation, essentially. <laughs> So you're basically getting nowhere trying to actually talk to the people, trying to actually talk to their lawyers. So how are you getting information on these cases? Well, it's all public information. There's a list on the Department of Justice website, and you can it's a searchable list. You can search by name, um, city, state. Um, it's, it's pretty easy. You can search by the, the, the crime that you were, the conspiracy, the seditious conspiracy crime if you wanted to and see everybody that has that specific charge. I mean, it's a pretty easy site to gather through and look through. And then also they have links to their cases, any plea agreements. How are their cases moving along? How much can you see about that? To be honest, their cases are moving a lot slower than I would have thought. Um, Some have, like we said, just been arrested as, as, as recent as February, I believe. And there are others who were arrested, you know, over a year ago and are still awaiting trial um, for different reasons in each case. Actually, when I talked to the attorney on background, he was saying that it just sort of depends on the judge, the the defense attorney, and, and just how things are going, the cooperation with the client, um, about how long a case can take. It, it's not necessarily always the same reason why one's taken long. My thoughts would be that maybe an attorney wants to wait until these hearings are done and maybe they sort of don't raise them to as high as a level as one would one would think. And maybe his person can get off a little easier afterwards. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, there are multiple reasons. Um, some people, one guy, the James Brockoff guy, has actually been behind bars this whole time mm-hmm. um, since he's been arrested, I believe, over a year now in a waiting trial because of how serious his crime was. If you were to get an interview with any one of these people, what's the main thing you would want to know? Well, if I could talk to one of the people, I, I would want to ask why they did it, who let them know uh, to head up to the Capitol that day, and do they regret it? Um, you know, from one attorney I talked to uh, prior, their client didn't really seem to necessarily regret what happened that day. And I thought that was really interesting. You know, usually after you do a crime, definitely once you face the time or penalty, you sort of understand that what you did was wrong. And not everybody in this group seems to think that. Have you run into any surprising information as you've looked into this? I think the most surprising was how many people were related. Uh, it, It just seemed like, you know, 
a father grabbed his son up and said, come on with me to the Capitol. And they went off for, I mean, usually I, I took my son swimming this morning. So, <laughs> so it's a very different activity. It, it, exactly. And so I just don't yeah. see where, where you would want to do that as a family experience. Well, and, you know, the one that I mentioned at the very beginning, very famously known as Zip Tie Guy, his name is actually Eric Munchell, and his mother was there with him, and she's also been arrested, and we heard quite a bit initially about the two of them trying to be able to get in touch for Mother's Day last year while they were being held uh, in detention. Do you know where things stand in his case? Yeah, so his recent, most recent status is that he's been released on bond until future hearings are scheduled. Um, but he has a lot of charges. He has obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to commit obstruction, restricted buildings or grounds, um, violent entry or disorderly conduct, and also remaining in a restricted building or grounds with a deadly or dangerous weapon. Uh, I mean, all of these sound pretty serious, um, but once again, he's out on bond. Is there anything else that you found reporting on this that really kind of stands out to you the most interesting thing to me was just how many people came from further than just the east coast um there were people from as far as arizona there that day and to me it just is it really baffles me to fact that somebody would pay for a plane ticket or drive that far across the country um it seems i mean very organized that they were all there at the same time i mean it wasn't just a a tour to the Capitol that day. You know, you you said one of the things that you would really like to know is how do they feel now? Do they regret it? Just in general, what is your sense? How are Tennesseans feeling about the insurrection more than a year out? Well, that I'm, I'm glad you asked that. There was a recent poll done by the Tennessee Democracy Forum, and most feel like it was wrong and like it was an insurrection, but it's really close. It's like maybe 60-40. And other, the, the 40 feel as if it was just a normal protest and everything they did was within their rights. Blaze Ganey covers politics for WPLN News. Blaze, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And you will be able to continue hearing those congressional hearings as they happen live on WPLN. <laughs> We have to take a short break. When we come back, we are going to break down what Nashville nightlife is all about with a few folks who make it run night after night. Tweet us your wildest nightlife tales at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Nina Cardona, and this is Nashville. It's time to talk about our city's nightlife scene. It is Friday, after all. We're bringing you a rebroadcast of an episode we aired on our very first Friday as a show. And if you missed it the first time around, trust me, it's a great one. I'm going to let your regular host, Khalil Ekulona, take it from here. Now, I'm certain that a particular sound comes to mind when you think of Nashville nightlife. But you know what? There's a lot more than bachelorette parties and Broadway in this town. 
From dance floors packed with salseros to karaoke nights and drag shows to old school country quartets playing, there's even a vibrant hip hop scene. This is Nashville Nightlife. Now, let's talk about it with a few folks who make this city's vibrant nightlife possible. First up, we're joined by Americana singer and songwriter Gabe Lee. Gabe, welcome to This Is Nashville. Hey, Coy, what's up, man? I'm chilling, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I I just got in from uh, from being on the road, and I'm a little exhausted, but I'm glad y'all reached out, and I'm, I'm excited to, to have a conversation with you. Well, I'm honored that you've been able to muster up the energy to talk to us for a little <laughs> bit today. So, Gabe, tell me about yourself. Yeah, so my, uh, my name is Gabe Lee. I'm a songwriter from here in Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised. Uh, I, uh, I went to music school briefly here at Belmont. Uh, I ended up transferring out and getting a, a literature degree and uh, once I finished that up, I moved right back to Nashville doing the songwriter thing, playing in bands. Uh, and and in, in Nashville, that means uh, basically you're you're doing everything else that you can to make some money and pay rent. So I've been a bartender for 10 plus years. Um, I worked for my dad as well on the side hmm. uh, to keep things going. Yeah. Now, we've been talking a lot about how expensive it is to live here. And you mentioned that you're doing everything but music to pay the bills. And, you know, for a city that really relies on its musicians, I have to wonder, how do we keep our musicians around? I mean, get into your experience and what it's been like. Sure. Uh, you know, I, man, being part of the food industry as well as the music industry, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of collision going on there. I mean, basically uh, half half or more of my my bartender buddies are uh, either musicians or ex-musicians or working on their own side projects. Um, nothing's going to really stop uh, Nashville from from its current growth. Um, but I think there are organizations like the ones you guys partner with that uh, help provide these stages and platforms for more opportunity, just more opportunity in general. Because uh, with with uh, with the swelling of, of Nashville, there's there's so many people moving here, and, and there are tons of different uh, musical talents moving here as well, which is incredible. But how do we best take advantage of, of the fact that it's it, it is a, a melting pot of talent? Um, and I think uh, I think one of those things, yeah, is to provide better opportunities for musicians to get out there in whatever way they can. Uh, to be honest, it's it's not about making life easier for musicians. I don't think. Mm -hmm. I mean, the grind the grind is part of it. The grind is part of what what builds your your soul and your character. Um, you can't you, you can't pursue art. Uh, if it's if it's just easy, um, if it if it just if it's just an easy paying easy and high paying job, that's that's not what art is about. Art is about um, honesty and, and and authenticity with yourself, uh, and that's what I've learned at least uh, my own personal experience being a songwriter here in Nashville, uh, with a little bit of luck and uh, you know a lot of a lot of elbow grease um, and and patience uh, will will pay off just as well as you know being being handed an opportunity. 
So you've been on the scene for a while. How would you describe Nashville's nightlife? Uh, it definitely is a destination uh, these days. Uh, and it's it's fun. I mean, you know, I, growing up, being a Preds fan and a Titans fan, like I will say some drawbacks are the fact that other teams fill our stadiums even better than we do <laughs> because mm. families want to make a trip to Nashville, uh, which which I think is great. I think that this the town has a lot of, history um and and it is known uh historically for for its country music and and folks want to come and be a part of that and soak it up uh and i and i totally understand that um but i think folks need to remember that nashville is uh a home for for songwriters and a home for musicians and everyone else involved in music business i think one big connecting factor uh that will play a crucial role and the diversity of the fabric of, of music culture in Nashville is are, are the are the folks that are surrounding the the music talent itself. Your uh, your photographers, your labels, um, your all the folks that uh, invest in music and do pro bono work for artists just so that they can you know have some content or get a reel. Um, and uh, and and those folks uh, are are willing and happy and talented enough to work for for everybody. So besides the, the nightlife in, in Nashville, when you go out and you see a show, it's networking. Um, you're constantly meeting folks who could potentially help you. Um, and, and, and the goal is, I think, to surround yourself with, with folks you trust. Uh, and, and that's what my buddies and I do as songwriters. When we go out and, and attend songwriter nights, even if we aren't performing ourselves, we're going out to support our buddies. Uh, and so oftentimes I'll be at little hubs of, um, uh, little listening room hubs basically for for songwriters doing the Americana thing and that would include Bobby's Idol Hour in Midtown the listening room itself uh, of course is is very well known in Nashville Third and Lindsley um, and Revival or Whiskey Jam are also very well known songwriter crowds now if you're headed out to a bar and you have to show your ID to a bouncer to be allowed entry my next guest is arguably the most popular bouncer downtown Colby Barrett Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. Yes. Pleasure to have you here. So to patrons on Broadway and in the social media world, you were known as the cowboy. How did you earn that <laughs> moniker? Um, you know, um, I work at Layla's um, and I work the front door there. And, you know, we, we, uh, we wear cowboy hats and I don't know, I guess, uh, you know, it just kind of somebody, you know, put it out there and it's just stuck. So it's uh, something I have to I have to hear constantly. How does it feel but, to be a, a, a mini celebrity? Well, you know what? It's um, it's, you know, it's new and strange for me. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, one of those things that, you know, we're just going to have to ride it and see what happens um you know ultimately um you know i'm still my job is to is the security of that bar and and our patrons so um but yeah that's just something that came along with it pretty cool so yeah now i want to ask you about your job because i just simply what is it like to deal with hundreds of drunk people every time you work <laughs> uh it, it can be interesting um you know there, um, there's, there's a lot of them and, uh, you know, most folks are there, you know, and drinking to have a good time. And, 
Um, you know, but once they've got a little bit, you know, more alcohol in them, they, uh, you know, they talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it can, uh, it, it can escalate from there. Sometimes we, we try to prevent that from happening. And, you know, we have a pretty good, um, uh, atmosphere at Layla's. We don't really get a lot of trouble there, uh, but it does happen. So, yeah. It's interesting these folks uh, drinking. Tell, tell me of a moment working where you were just in their situation at Layla's Friday, Saturday night, and you just said to my, yourself, oh, Lord, this is a wild job. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's constantly like that, really. Okay. Um, you know, even, even though it's, it's again, it's uh, a lot more calm there and, uh, it's just sometimes you look around and you think, you know, there's a lot of people watching going on. So mm-hmm. you just, you know, wow. Um, so it makes you think about the next time you, you actually uh, have an alcohol that, you know, <laughs> you don't do that yourself. So it's interesting. You know, I was a bartender for years and that is something that is true. Like the most calm, the calmest people you'll find at a bar are people who work in the industry because we know how it gets. But I bet you get to hear some pretty amazing musicianship downtown. I'm curious, are there any songs that you're just plain old tired of hearing? Uh, Yeah. Um, and, you know, standing in front of that door, I get to hear, you know, so many bands every week over and over. And a lot of them play the same songs, you know. Uh, uh, so, as co- you know, they're doing cover songs. A lot of them play original music. But there are a few that, you know, I want to... Um, you know, I want to break something when when I hear it. Devil Went Down to Georgia would be one of them. Okay. And I know I'm probably get some slack from this. It's a great song. Great song. But I, when you hear it over and over and over constantly, it's, yeah. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin. But I'll take your bet, and you're going to regret, because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul. Give me an estimate. How many times in one week do you hear that song? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say probably 15 to 20. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so- and, and, and you have to hear all that goes with that, which is, you know, of course, uh, the musicians, you know, to play that song, there's a lot that goes into it, uh, that fiddle player. Um, and, you know, so it's a, um, you know, it's interesting how they go about it. But uh, you know what? That's the way they earn their living. And, uh, you know, not that I won't. I'll listen to it 20 more times a week if I have to. So, you know. That, that brings a whole new definition of getting a song stuck in your head. Um, if, yes. you're, if you're just tuning in, welcome. This is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. This hour is all about Nashville nightlife. Right now, we're visiting with the good people that keep it running night after night. And you know that includes bartenders. 
My next guest is Katie Sadiq, manager and bartender at the Rosemary and Beauty Queen in East Nashville. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. So answer this for me. What do you like most about being a bartender? Um, I'm able to be myself. And that's really important to me. I don't work for um, a corporate establishment. Um, I have two really great bosses. But being able to be myself behind that bar and in that establishment is my most favorite thing. Because so I'm not masking anything. I'm I'm very straightforward, and it's a lot of fun. Conversely, what frustrates you about the job? Being looked at as though I'm someone's servant. I'm not there. I'm like I'm not there to provide. Um, I'm there to provide a service. However, I am not your servant. So don't snap your fingers at me. Don't yell at me from across the bar. I'll, I'm attentive. I'll get to you whenever I get to you. But there's also a ton of other people that are there to be serviced as well. But you're not the only person just because you yell from across the bar to get my attention. That must be really frustrating from my experience. I remember people doing a little bit extra to get attention and you've got like yeah. a wide bar and you're five deep of people and it's like hey patience i will get to you in time question for you do you slow serve people who are a little bit rude like that oh no i mean i automatically tell them that they're going to the back of my list mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now i yeah. want to like, you immediately put yourself to the back of my list i work the crowd the crowd doesn't work me i have a system on how things work i want to talk now about safety as I said, I'm a former bartender, and I feel like part of the job is that a lot of people don't really know about this, is that you have to look out for folks you're serving. Jack Ohms started Safe Bar, a program that provides free bystander intervention training sessions to businesses across town to help staff prevent sexual assault. Unfortunately, we know that um, alcohol is used commonly as um, a way to facilitate sexual assault. And so um, that's a really big reason why Safe Bar is focused on um, bars. And so um, we want to be able to train the staff in a way that um, allows them to do their job, but also create these safer um, environments in nightlife and in, um, you know, party scene, anything like that. So again, those trainings are free for any businesses that want to sign up. We'll be including the link as well as Jack's email in our web post for anyone who wants to learn more. But Katie, what's your experience behind the bar when it comes to that? I try to be as alert as possible. Um, being a manager and also being a bartender, I'm always like on the move. I'm always like moving consistently, but being observant as well of of my surroundings um, because you can have a group of girls that are having a great time and one girl in the group can stray away very easily and her friends don't notice because you know they're dancing and they're having fun and she might end up with somebody who ends up making her feel uncomfortable and just having eyes all over the bar not just like focusing on drinks and also communicating with staff is very important like we try to keep an eye out on everything to make sure that we are keeping people safe colby what's your experience with that 
Um, you know, she, she's right. You know, you, you constantly got to be, you know, keeping an eye on things. And and there's really, you know, on Broadway, there's sensory overload for, for even, you know, people that worked there for years. You know, sometimes you get caught up in that. So you really got to just watch, you know, and, and pay attention. And, you know, a lot of times folks will come up and tell you, hey, you know what, someone's making me feel uncomfortable. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's, I know there's a lot of, you know, they, they get something put in their drink. So I always tell people, listen, if you set your drink down and you don't, you turn around, I wouldn't go back and pick it up and drink it again. So, you know, it's just one of those things you keep your drink with you. Don't sit it down and leave it unattended. Final question for, for Colby and Katie. Just who is Nashville's nightlife for? The wicked. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree, uh, Colby? You know what? I, I I meet people from all over the world, and uh, you know what? I'm there's you know, sure there are some wicked people there, and uh, but you know there's a, a lot of people there that come there to have a good time, and and uh, you know they want to visit Nashville, and you know we try to provide a safe environment for them to be able to do that. So um, yes, there are some some bad people everywhere, I believe. So. Now, Katie, explain to me, what do you mean when you say Nashville's nightlife is for the wicked? Yeah, I don't think, whenever I say wicked, I don't necessarily mean like bad. Um, I've always been told there's no rest for the wicked and people that come to Nashville, they come to Nashville to party. And especially with the bar that I work in, we're a dance bar. Like there's a DJ six nights a week and it's literally like go from the time the sun sets to the time we do last call and things get crazy and the atmosphere changes so rapidly. But um, yeah, there's just no rest for the wicked whenever people come to Nashville and they want to have a good time. And as we heard earlier, you know, the woo girls and they come to party for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a whole thing. They don't, necessarily know what they always come to Nashville to do because they always love to ask, you know, the bartenders and everyone else in the industry what they like to do for fun. We like to sleep, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's a valuable commodity, I know. Well, that's Katie Sadiq. Thanks to you and Colby Barrett for coming on to the show. Gabe Lee, hang out with us throughout the break. We've been talking about just what Nashville nightlife is all about here in Music City. When we come back, we'll talk about who exactly it's for. Stay with us. This is Nashville. AJ Kang got his start as a DJ, spinning everything from 80s nights at Luigi's Pizza to Bollywood nights at Shohan Ale and Masala House. I played country, I played pop, I played hip hop, I played EDM, I played a little bit of everything. For the past three years, he was the house DJ at Rebar in Midtown. Then one Saturday night this January, the owner came up to him in the middle of his set while he was playing Yeah by Usher. And normally when she comes up, she gives me a hug and she, you know, is like, hey, you know, how good to see you. Can you play this song? And I'm like, sure. I mean, I'd play Mustang Sally in there before for her. I played Brick House for her. I don't have a problem playing with the owner requests. Not at all. 
But this time she comes up and she's like angry and she says, I'm gonna need you to stop playing all this black music immediately or I'm gonna make you leave right now. He was so shocked he didn't say anything and just went ahead and changed the music. And so I'm like, all right, here comes Mr. Brightside. But I, I'm so confused. So I'll go, I'll go over to the side of the stage and I say to her, what was all that don't play black music stuff? Like, what, what is that about? Well, she said, look at all these black people in here. And it's because you play all that music. And if you played better music, there'd be better people in here. Ooh, yeah. So he's stunned. Walks back over to his station. The next track, Dirty Little Secret by the All-American Rejects. And the part where, like, uh, Dirty Little Secret, who has to know? And I paused the music right there, and I thought to myself, everybody, everybody's got to know. So I pick up the microphone, and I told the club exactly what she said. And I packed up my stuff, and I walked out. And the crowd walked out with me. This is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. AJ King's story went viral a few months ago, and for good reason. This hour, we've been talking about Nashville nightlife. Now we want to talk about who it's for. I'd like to introduce our next guests. Tiffany Taylor is a culture writer for Two L's on a Cloud, a local culture blog, and Reginald Pierre is a YouTuber and vlogger who covers downtown. Welcome to you both. Hello. I want to start with what we just heard about DJ AJ Kang's experience. Tiffany, what is your reaction to that? Um, I remember seeing it on Facebook and not being surprised at all. Like, that is what um a lot of the bars downtown represent have you ever experienced something like this yourself um not that outright but it um when back when two else was putting on shows it was hard to get venues to book us because of the quote unquote type of music we were playing. Hmm. And so we had to get creative and, you know, pick a acceptable name on an email so that we could even get people to respond to us. Now, Pierre, you spent a lot of time catch capturing the vibe of our downtown scene. I am curious, who do you think downtown Nashville nightlife is for? Um, I think downtown Nashville is for anybody who likes music. Um, that's what I always tell my viewers. If you like music, you'll be found downtown. Have you ever seen any situation like the one that DJ AJ Kang has experienced? Not, not, not personally. I heard about it from other people. Um, there's a club we used to go to that uh, a lot of black people used to go there. Um, and they had to change the music um, because um, they felt like, you know, there was a shock in um, black people and so white people. But other than that, I've never personally experienced that. Local American musician Gabe Lee is still with us. Gabe, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You were born and raised in Nashville and Nashville's music scene. Some people have this idea that country music is white, but that's not a complete picture, right? Correct. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things to take into account uh, when you are unpacking that kind of statement. And I, and I don't know that it's I don't know that it's really helpful uh, in in the point of diversity uh, when you're when you're discussing opening doors uh, that that country music is white or that 
you know, that makes music city white. Um, I mean, I, I have a, I have a Taiwanese background. My folks are from Taiwan, which is in the Pacific Island, uh, right off of the coast of China. And my parents immigrated here in the early eighties. Um, and so my brother and I were both born and raised in Nashville and, uh, having grown up in the church and being surrounded by Nashville's music, uh, culture, um, uh, there's a, there's, I think a lot more to understand as far as, uh, really just what the what country music means to the city i mean it, it is it is part of the uh the lifeblood of of this this region and and historically significant as well uh, of course um it comes with uh comes with many many issues and hard pressing uh issues that that are being stoked up today which i think is really important uh but i think if you if you make a blanket statement like that uh, it undermines some of the folks who are honestly trying to change it. Why do you feel it undermines folks who are really trying to change that a little bit? Sure. Uh, because I am not white and I am influenced and inspired by uh, the history of country music. Um, I think as a lyrical, uh, uh, in, in its lyrics and as a genre, it's one of the best storytelling methods uh in music i think i think uh there's a reason why folks uh have gravitated towards it and why and why now it is considered basically mainstream um of course the stuff that's on like top 40 radio i think in most genres uh the more popular stuff is not a very accurate representation of the genre as a whole uh it kind of represents where the money is uh, more so than where the inspiration's coming from. Uh, so when I say that uh, those kind of blanket statements might not be helpful and might be undermining certain folks is because like my, my label head and, and artist manager, Alex Torres, uh, has a Hispanic background and he comes from Texas and I have my Taiwanese background, but we both have a love for country music and for storytelling and really just for great music. Uh, so we are out here uh, investing in, in our time and energy and assets and resources into creating that music in order to break through or at least make a living doing doing uh, doing art and creating art. So uh, uh, if you make that kind of blanket statement, uh, it kind of it kind of uh, it ignores folks that that might be uh, uh, putting everything they can into into changing into changing that mindset. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about the downtown scene, which is what a lot of people think about when they think of nightlife here. So, Tiffany, how has the downtown nightlife scene changed? <laughs> it, um, being a Nashville native, I can honestly say it has changed into the face that it has always wanted to be. Um, I remember, I'm 33, so in my early 20s, I remember going out from Thursday to Sunday and being downtown in different pockets and being well-received. Now I can't imagine, it gives me anxiety to think about having to go downtown. There's nothing downtown um, that I want to do. (laughs) So um, it's definitely not for people, I feel like it's not for people who look like me. I think downtown is strictly for the tourists. P. 
Pierre, you know, you actually like the downtown scene. Why? I love it because it's always exciting. Every time, every night I go downtown, it's always, I go to the same place almost every night and it's, it's always exciting. Full of a, it's full of excitement. What do you want people to know so they can get a taste of Nashville nightlife? Um, basically, like um, the music, what I show in my videos, I just, you know, I show the, the music, uh, the live music. Uh, I'm trying to get into balls. I'm showing the wolf stop. Uh, I just want people to get a full experience that if you love music, no matter what the background is, white, black, Hispanic, I met, I have met all type of people from all over the world on Broadway, and they love it. They love the music. So if you're into music, you want to have a little alcohol with your music, Broadway's where to go. Tiffany, what do you want people to know? about the Nashville nightlife scene and what it has to offer? Um, that it's, try, it, it's, it's trying to make room for other people. But like I said, um, I don't see, when I go downtown, I don't see too many people that look like me. And a lot of the bars downtown don't have a great reputation of being inviting of, um, black and brown folks because of the way we dress. Like the dress code alone lets me know that if I wanted to go downtown and have a good time, I have to dress accordingly to the masses to be even invited in. So um, yeah, it's just not, it's not as welcoming as they like to think that is, but I think that's intentional. Pierre, have you ever seen, had run into a dress code situation? Uh, as far as restaurant, I mean, it's very basic. Uh, I always tell my viewer that uh, they're not going to let you in any balls if you just have a T-shirt and jogging pants on. Uh, this restaurant, to me, I don't feel it's like diversity stuff. Like you have to be, you have to have a cowboy hat and cowboy boots to get in. I hear um, you. I understand. As long as you, yeah, they're not just going to let anybody in. That's, that's why I always tell them. They just want you to look decent. That is Reginald Pierre. I want to thank you, Tiffany Taylor and Gabe Lee, for joining us today. We've been talking this hour about Nashville Lightknife, who it's for, and who makes it run. Before we go today, I'm going to hop out of my host chair and into the passenger seat. Each Friday, join me as I ride shotgun with one of our fellow Middle Tennesseans. This time, we're tagging along with the taxi driver on a busy Friday night to waiting? see the city oh, no. and what the nightlife is like. Getting with their chili fries. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing I don't like. Jennifer Serrano. I'm a Nashville native, and I'm a taxi driver for five years. No, but you gotta. Take me to 1402 Arthur Ave by Maroon Kroger's. What's your name, man? I'm Alex Eaton. Alex, nice to meet you. Yes, I'm a native Nashvilleian. Really? Yes, I was born here. I must hit the jackpot because I can't believe I'm in a car with two people <laughs> who are born and raised. In you know Nashville. they call us uh, unicorns here in Nashville. <laughs> I'm so lucky. I'm, I'm gonna play the Powerball. I, I wish I was playing. We win the lottery. Oh my gosh! What would you do if you won the lottery? I would get me a house in Nashville. Okay. I mean, look, with <laughs> the party. housing prices out here, you pretty much have to win the lottery you to sure be able do. to buy a house. That's, That's no thinking. joke, too. <laughs> These something. prices around here. Let's see. It's a uh, one bedroom. How long is the shift normally? 
typically around 12 hours. 12 hours. Do you take a break though? Oh yeah. A lot of times being in the airport is a break. Take a nap in the car. Take a so, nap in the car. Yeah, you can if it's slow enough. I grew up in the outskirts of Nashville, yeah. What part? Jolton area. It's kind of almost country, suburb. So when you were young, did you come down to downtown Nashville often? Oh uh, Yeah, once I turned 21, I sure did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was nothing like it is now. Hello, need taxi? What's your name, man? I'm MJ. MJ. Yes. How, how was your night? Good, you know, not too bad. A little dancing, a little shots. Getting home safe on a Friday exactly. night out. Exactly, that's why I'm with Jen. That's right. Yeah. What's up? Just trying to go two blocks, two blocks over. Where are you going? 14th Avenue. I'm drunker than hell. I'm over, I'm, I'm in Nashville for a uh, bachelor party. Okay. Out of here. Well, Sleep. you gotta pay first. He's stiffed? Yeah, that's the first time that's happened to me. That he's actually said, see you later. Will the cops do anything? It'll probably take him two hours to get out here. So, I'm just gonna have to eat it. That sucks. It does. I picked up two couples. So they're going back to one of their hotels. Okay. One of the ladies, she put her sh hand on my shoulder and said, you have to put up with so much. And then she slid her hand down. Oh, wow. <laughs> she was trying to get a tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have people started their hotel exercises before they got to the hotel? Some of them have tried. I tell them, Okay, no clothes are coming off in this car. The trick to dealing with that is to keep them talking and they can't start. Okay, so three in the back and two in the middle. Yeah. Let's go around. Where are you from? What's your name and where are oh, you from? Oh, I'm Courtney. I'm from Rhode Island. I'm Agneta and I'm from Finland. My name is Nicholas. I'm from Great Britain. My name is Marcus and I'm from the United Kingdom. I'm Jenna. I'm from South Africa. And I'm Iris, and I'm from Austria. Wonderful. Now, how, yeah. I know you're jealous. How do you guys know each other? We just uh, met. We, that's a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supporting this one. Rhinestone high-heeled boots. Okay. If I can check those off my Nashville bucket list. <laughs> yeah. If you like people watching, just come down here and sit for a while. You don't need to drink. <laughs> you just, just, just sit on the sidewalk and watch. What will some people do to draw your attention? Most of them will wave at you or yell at you, but they don't seem to understand that they need to yell taxi okay. instead of, hey. <laughs> you know, I blame that on ride shares. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. So, you know, she's trying to find her ride share and I don't miss that at all. It's just impossible to give a drunk person directions. I mean, we're watching it happen <laughs> yeah. in front of us. Yeah. All she has to do is say, taxi. Right. Easy. <laughs> yeah. When I was a rideshare driver, you know, they had Facebook groups. You know, they would talk a lot of smack about taxis, but really none of them knew much about taxis, if anything. I didn't either. I'd never ridden in a taxi before in my life. Okay. 
and so I probably kind of did it too and then when I came over to this job and see how much harder it is I take it all back <laughs> I invite any of them to come and drive taxi for a year and then if you want to talk some smack you can but until you get out here and do this this job in comparison to your current job you need to have respect for taxi drivers. Thanks to our regular host, Khalil Egolona, for letting us tag along on that ride with taxi driver Jennifer Serrano. Sounded like a wild Friday night. Khalil will be back Monday morning, so tune in. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Tasha A.F. Lemley. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are Larange and Namir Blade. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. And tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This Is Nashville. I'm Nina Cardona. We'll see you Monday, everybody.